How are we doing, Austin Ridge? Welcome to the, is this the fourth? Fourth service here at Austin Ridge. We're so glad you're here. Thanks for coming to the last one. It really helped us in the first few. We had people in the foyer. We have a few people in the foyer. How are we doing out there? There, there are beach balls bouncing out there and all, all kinds of things going on right now. We're so glad you're here. What we're doing tonight is we're celebrating the birthday of Jesus, all right? So this is about Jesus' birthday. And you know, I've been thinking about birthdays a lot. You may not know this, maybe you do. I celebrated a huge birthday this past year. I turned 50. I know a lot of you are thinking there's no way that guy's 50. <laughs> it's true. I turned 50. And just recently I was at home seeing my grandmother. My grandmother just turned 93. And we were talking about it. We said, you know, there comes a time where the candles on the cake cost more than the cake. <laughs> and, and, you know, when you're young, having birthdays, it, it's a big deal. Like, birthdays are a huge deal. When you get older, it's just kind of like, let's just move past it. Let's just go on. It's just another number click. And I remember my 20s thinking, you know, I don't care what the world thinks about me. In my 30s, I remember thinking, I think I care what the world thinks about me. In my 40s, I remember thinking, the world never thinks about me. And I remember turning 50 thinking, what in the world, right? Like you start getting injured, like I said, when you sleep. Like how do you get injured sleeping? And it starts, it starts happening. And I'm telling you, getting older is just kind of a weird deal. And I know some of you are thinking, you're not old, dude. I'm really old. Yes, you are, okay? But it's just an odd thing because God's rigged this thing called life where when you finally have money and time, you have no energy. <laughs> and then when you're young, you're having to make some of the biggest decisions of your life, right? Like, where do I go to college? Who do I date? Who do I marry? What do I study? What kind of job do I want? What do I want to do the rest of my life? And you have like four brain cells working when you're 18 years old, right? Trying to make those decisions. It's just kind of an ideal. But one thing I've been trying to think about birthdays lately is every birthday I have now is just one step closer to being with Jesus. I mean, really, it's just like one step closer to being home. Like I'm closer to being in heaven right now tonight than I've ever been. And that encourages me. So I, I kind of see birthdays now as milestones, getting closer to the Lord. And you know, tonight, just thinking about birthdays and, and, and you know, when the Bible talks about dying, it talks about like you take a nap, which is a lot better way of thinking about death, I think. Like, yeah, I'm just gonna take a nap. You wake up, you're home. And I know Christmas time's hard for a lot of us. Some of you think about loved ones you've lost at Christmas time and you miss them and, and it, is, it is very difficult I also know as a Christian, knowing that a loved one walked with Jesus, we didn't lose them. We know exactly where they are, and we'll be with them again. And so there's a great encouragement when you're a believer, knowing exactly where your loved ones are if they died in Christ, which is an amazing gift that the Bible gives us. And, and really, Jesus was born, but he was born so that we don't have to worry about dying, if you think about that. Really, he took care of death for us. So we've been in John all years of church. I'm gonna do week 52 and a half tonight, okay? So I'm gonna go back to John. We're gonna go back to chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, you have your phones, you wanna turn to John 14, there's some Bibles in the seats in front of you. And we're just gonna look at about three verses, John 14, where Jesus talks about death. And since we have no services after this, we're gonna go all night long. John 14, verse one. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, 
I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. It's interesting when I look at the life and ministry of Jesus, he healed hundreds, he fed thousands. There's only three people in the Bible that Jesus raises from the dead, not counting himself, only three. There's Jairus' daughter, and then she rises from the dead. Jesus says, she's not dead, she's just asleep, and then a party erupts, right? Then there's the son uh, in Nain. He's coming out, there's a, a funeral procession. They're carrying this little boy's coffin. Jesus comes along, touches the coffin. The little boy gets up, a party erupts. Then Lazarus. Lazarus come forth, a party erupts. Are you seeing the theme here? When death and Jesus meet, parties happen. Because for Jesus, death is not a problem. Because his tomb is empty, that means our tomb is going to be empty one day too because we trust him in life and even in death. And Jesus talks about death, says, I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may be there also. Now, I started thinking this week, why did Jesus not raise more people from the dead? Because that's, that's even better than changing water into wine or walking on the water. It's like raising people from the dead. Why did he do more of it? First of all, I think it'd be hard to find volunteers. Don't you think? Like, hey, I'm gonna do this thing, you're gonna die, I'm gonna bring you back, it'll be great, just trust me, tough. A second thing is, I believe once you see heaven, you don't wanna come back. You see, I think we, we, we are sad when God takes people home early. What if that is the gift? What if we get to heaven one day and go, God, why did you leave me there so long? See, we've got it upside down. I don't wanna go there yet because I love this place too much. I think when you and I get to heaven, we're gonna be thinking, why did it take so long to get here? And it's interesting when, when the Lord talks about death and the Bible talks about death, it also talks about sometimes death is a protection for people. Like we, we tend to think that if someone dies young, it's, it's a tragedy. If someone lives a long life, it's a blessing. But I've seen godly people die young and I've seen very ungodly people live a long time. And, and, and again, maybe we have this whole thing upside down that maybe real life begins once this one's over. And this isn't home, and a home is coming, and that home is gonna be far superior to this home. I'm gonna read you a verse from Isaiah. This is the prophet Isaiah, verse, or chapter 57, verse one. He says something really interesting here. He says, the righteous man perishes, and no one lays it to heart. Devout men are taken away, while no one understands, for the righteous man is taken away from calamity. You see, could it be that God is sovereign the very moment he takes someone away? It's not a tragedy, it's not a curse, it's actually God's sovereignty. That he says, I want you home now, and you're not gonna wanna go back. As I continue to, th to think this week about Jesus and his ministry, he was getting his 12 disciples together, and he, he found a guy named Philip. He said, Philip, go. And Philip goes to a guy named Nathaniel, tries to get Nathaniel to come. Let me read to you from John 1, what happens. Jesus says, or it says in John 1, verse 45, Philip found Nathaniel, said to him, we found him who Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth. And then Nathaniel goes, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, I thought about saying, that'd be like saying, could anybody good come from fill in the blank, but that will get me in trouble? So you fill in the blank. Maybe it's West Texas, maybe it's, see, I'm not even gonna do that. It's somewhere where you wouldn't wanna be from, right? And he says, what good thing could possibly come from Nazareth? And I love Philip's answer, come and see. Philip's like, I'm not gonna argue with you, just come and see. 
Guys, the invitation from Austin's Bible Church tonight to you is come and see. You know, we do this every Sunday, not just Christmas Eve. We'll see about 8,000 people today, and next week we'll see about 3,000. Where does the 5,000 go? For a lot of people, this is about a Hallmark holiday, Christmas, Easter. And let me tell you, if you only come here on Christmas and Easter, I am so glad you're here. But I would like to challenge you, what if you came back the first Sunday in January? What if you say, you know what, I'll come for four weeks, I'll come for a month, and we'll see if God changes my heart, and I would just say, come and see, and if, if you don't like it after four weeks, I'll see you at Easter, no harm, no foul, right? But what if we just say to you tonight, come and see, that we do this all the time when we gather. If you enjoy the worship tonight, if you enjoy hearing the Bible taught, come and see. Come and see what God's doing. Come and see that the flame of Christianity, the gospel, has not been extinguished for 2,000 years regardless of philosophies and culture changes and, and, and adversaries and atheism and communism that we're still celebrating tonight the birth of a Savior 2,000 years ago. Come and see. Come and see, and you can see things in history where like Da Vinci is amazed as he creates the Last Supper. Or Michelangelo, and when he carves out David out of a stone, he sits back and he prays because he's blown away at what God just created through his hands. Come and see. Come and see when joy cannot be defeated by depression. Come and see uh, the hospitals and the orphanages that God's allowed in Austin Ridge and others to build all over the world in the darkest places because that's where hope is needed. Come and see when, when you hear about someone like George Washington who was at Valley Forge on his knees praying because he knew even in war that God is sovereign. Come and see when a guy like Abraham Lincoln has a worn out Bible because he'd walk by himself and pray clenching that Bible because he knew even though he's the president, there's one that he submits to. Come and see changed lives. Come and see alcoholics now sober, drug addicts now clean. Come and see marriages reconciled. Come and see relationships that were broken be whole. Come and see orphans that are being embraced. And come and see, we go to prison ministry. Come and see prisoners who are behind bars. They've been convicted and condemned by everybody, and yet they stand justified and pure before their Lord Jesus. Come and see what God is doing. Come and see the baby tonight in the manger. It wasn't about being a baby. It wasn't about being born. It was about one day that child will become a man who dies for me and for you so that we don't have to worry about death. I love this time of the year. I really do. Y'all look so awesome tonight. Y'all look better than any hours we've had before tonight. I mean, you're red and you're sparkly. and I, just, I love getting the mail at this time of the year. Like I went to my mailbox this morning and had 25 Christmas letters today. I counted them. Love it. Green envelopes and red envelopes, and, and they're like, uh, there's like Christmas tree stickers, and there's glitter, which is, please don't do glitter, it's horrible, but there's <laughs> glitter. I love getting the mail. This is the only time of the year that the postal service is bigger than social media, just for a couple of days, right? And I love that you get pictures, and they show families, and this is where we went on vacation this summer, and this is our new baby, and this is our new puppy, and I love hearing the stories about what God is doing but the mail that I want to kind of deliver to you tonight is that there is a man named Jesus who was God in the flesh and he died a death that I don't have to die because he lived a life I could never live. And by his name, our wounds are healed. I live over 
um, in Lakeway. Uh, by the way, Westlake High School fo- or Westlake High School football, way to go! State championship, way to go! I live in Lakeway. We've won a bunch of those things, but I'm excited for Westlake. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, kind of. So. I live over in Lakeway, I live on a street called Flint Rock, okay? And I go up and down the street all the time and one day I'm driving and there's, a, there's a two lanes right down the middle of the road. Right between these two lines in the middle of the road is a shoe. One, not two, one shoe. And it's not a work shoe that like falls off a truck. It is a like someone going to church shoe. It's a black leather dress shoe. And it's just sitting there like someone placed it there. It's not like it tumbled, it just sits there. The next day it's there. The next day is there, the next week is there, the next month is there. And my family, we're going crazy about this shoe. We're telling stories like, there is some dude in Austin with one shoe on walking around, and we love this shoe because this shoe, we just started creating all these stories about this shoe. Well, a little bit after that, I wanna show you, I took a picture of what was there after that. Let's show them this picture. <laughs> Someone had picked the shoe up, found the other shoe, I don't know where it was, somewhere on that road, and put them just like that on the side of the road, just like that. And I remember taking a picture of everything. I'm gonna use this in a sermon sometime tonight, tonight. You know what I thought? You know, you hear someone say, if you ever walk in someone else's shoes, meaning you know what they feel, you know what they go through, you know what their circumstances are, you know their past, you know their struggles. Have you ever walked in someone's shoes? Don't judge them before you walk in their shoes. Guys, Jesus walked in our shoes. Are you blown away tonight that Jesus became flesh? I am. He walked in our shoes. He left heaven and came to this place. I live in this place. This this place is, is, is pretty messed up. I can't imagine what the angels thought when they heard that Jesus was going to leave heaven and come to earth as a baby. Like really a baby, like the most innocent, helpless thing on earth is a baby. And I imagine the angels are thinking, you mean a woman is gonna have God over her shoulder burping him? Like I can't imagine what that was like. Like all of heaven can't contain him and yet he's gonna come to this planet as a baby. And this baby's got to learn to do things. Someone had to teach Jesus how to brush his teeth. Someone had to teach Jesus how to walk. He had to rely on his lungs for air, air that he created. He had to to trust that his body would circulate blood, blood that he created. I am blown away that he who knew no sin became sin so that we sinners might become the righteousness of God. That he left there and became a servant here. Come and see the man that kneeled before 12 disciples and washed their feet, knowing that in a few hours, all but one was gonna run away from him. And one was gonna turn him over to the police. He came from the highest to the lowest. I can't imagine the angels, what they thought when they realized, wait, 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 he's gonna be birthed to a middle school aged girl? You know, Mary's probably 12, 13, 14 years, history tells us. A middle, think about it, you have a middle school girl. That's who carried the God of the universe in her stomach. Unbelievable. And yet I'm so glad he did. You know, at Christmas time, do we focus more on what we want or who we need for Christmas? 
I am blown away at what Jesus said in John 14, one through three. Those verses I read to you, I get asked to read those more at funerals than any other verses. As a pastor, I've spent a lot of time around people dying. It's kind of part of the gig. And I've sat around hospital beds, I've sat in homes, I've held hands, I've, I've felt someone pass from this life to the next. They never talk about their work in that moment. They never talk about their hobbies. They never talk about the trips they took. They never talk about how their portfolio is performing. They all ask about one question, and, and I'll say it in these words, this is the way it's worded the most. Pastor, what's next? And they ask it differently. For someone who's not a believer in Christ, I see in their eyes fear. For someone who knows Jesus, I see this, this calm peace, and they're asking because they wanna hear it again. Tell me more about heaven. And it's interesting in John, when Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may be there also. He says something really strange to me. He says, if it were not so, I would have told you. Isn't that kind of odd? Like, wouldn't you say, I go to prepare a place for you and it's the truth? Or I go to prepare a place for you and if I change my mind, I'll let you know. He says, I go to prepare a place and if it were not so, I would have told you. I wonder if Jesus saw something in their eyes when he's saying John 14 that just he saw the fear. Because see, these guys were clueless by John 14 what was about to happen. They thought he was gonna reign, they'd reign with them, they'd be in charge, and they're gonna be awesome together. And he's talking about dying and leaving and there's no plan B and you guys are on. And I think he saw the fear in their eyes. He says, I go to prepare a place and if it wasn't true, I wouldn't have told you this. I think he sees that fear in our eyes sometimes, doesn't he? You ever been on a plane and someone comes across, we're about to have some turbulence and you're reading your magazine, not thinking much about it until you see the stewardess strap in. You're like, okay, that's different. You put the magazine down. All of a sudden, you have a different set of values at that moment. Or maybe you've been called back by the doctor. And maybe you're thinking on that plane, there'll be a plane crash some point in my life. I probably won't be on that plane. It won't be this plane. It won't be today. Or maybe you're thinking, one day I may die of cancer, but it won't be today. You know, the Bible talks about numbering our days. Listen to this. This is Psalm chapter 90. The psalmist says, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Isn't that interesting? The Bible says, when you think about every day being the day that you could leave this place, you're not assuming upon tomorrow, you're gonna live today as if this is it. That the Bible says you'll have a heart of wisdom. Another way of saying that is this, it's the fool who assumes they have many days and many years and many, much more time to live. What would it look like if we thought about Jesus more now instead of just at the end on a bed? What if we asked the right questions now instead of waiting till the end? How would life change? That's what I would say the Christian life gets to live. The Bible talks about names being a big deal. Let me give you an example. The Bible says, at the name of Jesus, we just sang about it, at the name of Jesus, Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Amen. Now think about this for a minute. Every knee, Hitler is gonna bow one day and confess Jesus is Lord. Stalin, gonna bow one day and confess Jesus is Lord. Mussolini, you can fill in the blanks, right? Osama bin Laden, whoever you wanna put in there. 
Every king, every personal authority, every actress, every athlete, every celebrity, every liberal person, every conservative person, every Republican, every Democrat, every preacher, every mom, every dad, every daughter, every son, every cousin, every aunt, every uncle, every rich person, every poor person. The Bible says one day will stand before the maker and they will bow their knee and confess him as Lord. Here's where true wisdom is. You ready? Understand that now instead of then. Get it right now so that then you proclaim it joyfully instead of having to proclaim it with regret. Because the Bible is clear, we will proclaim it. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. I believe in the presence of Jesus, everything at that moment will feel very puny. I believe every money and possessions we had here will be counterfeit. I believe names matter. If you had a, a letter at home that Elvis Presley signed, you wouldn't throw that in the door. You'd frame it, put it in your living room, and tell stories, right? You had a Babe Ruth rookie card, you'd frame it. At the name of Jesus. Folks, here's what Christmas is all about. Here's the message from Austria's Bible Church. There is a Savior, and his name is Jesus. The Bible doesn't say it can be Jesus or whoever else you think was the best moral teacher in whichever path you want to choose. It says Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. Jesus said that. Either it's true or it's not. If it's not true, he's just another religious guy. If it is true and the guy walks on water and gets up out of the grave and walks out, we might want to follow him. He's not just one of many options. The Bible says that only the name of Jesus shall all men be saved. So tonight, my question is, are you in love with Jesus? I'm not talking about a Hallmark holiday. I'm talking about the historical person of Jesus who became flesh, said things, did things, and then to 500 people who were eyewitnesses that he was walking around and talking after he died. Eyewitnesses that saw it and said we're willing to die because now we've seen a dead man alive. I don't know what 2020 holds for you. It's gonna be some really good things in this room and some really very tough things. What I do know is, I know who holds 2020. And it's no one in this room. It's him. I'll close just reading a couple more verses to you. This is from a little book called Jude. Right before you get into your Bible's Revelation, right before that is Jude. Jude only has one chapter. It's verse 24 and 25. Here we go. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. That is a mouthful. Here's what it's saying. There is a Savior and his name is Jesus. Let's bow the knee now. Confess him as Lord now. Our lives will be better, and this life won't be it. It won't be the goal. The goal will be the life to come, which is real living. Amen? I am so thrilled you came tonight. I'm so thrilled you're here. Come back and see us again before Easter. Come back next Sunday or the next Sunday and be with us for a while. Come and see, because the same Lord that's here tonight is the same Lord that's gonna be here every time we gather together. Father, I'm so grateful for tonight. I'm so grateful that we get to celebrate a baby that's born in a place that they did not create for him specially. They said there's no room in the inn. 
and yet they didn't even really create a great burial place for him, so two men put him in a tomb. Lord, I'm so grateful that you became a servant so that we, we the sinners, could become the righteousness of God. Lord, I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you for their hearts. I thank you for their life stories. Some of them are going through painful things right now. There's some folks in this room going, life is great and everything's awesome. We don't know what this year is gonna bring. We know you have it in your control. Lord, I pray that we would be drawn close to you in ways this next year in ways we never had before. That the name of Jesus would be on our tongues often and our hearts moment by moment. It's in your glorious name we pray, the name of Jesus. Amen.